Welcome to episode 12 of the Worldwide Knicks podcast, your place for international-based Knicks talk. Trying out a new like catchphrase, guys. You know, we'll see. We'll see if that sticks. Uh, but welcome to the podcast. Uh, Omar here with you alongside Alex and Rafa per usual. Guys, how are you doing on uh, this Sunday night? Yeah, good. Good. Thanks, man. Great win last night. So yeah, happy feeling good. You. Feeling good. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Awesome. That awesome. win positivity yeah before we get into all that positive talk we just want to say thank you for everybody that's been following us on twitter at ww nicks podcast on twitter uh we just surpassed 300 twitter followers i believe it was right after the atlanta game concluded so thank you so much to everybody that has been following and interacting with us on twitter even if we happen to disagree we still love you guys equally we'll get into that in a little bit uh, but let's uh, get into this past week's game. So two in one week. So Rafa definitely called that one correctly uh, last week. So a win against the Lakers, 106 to 100, which also was the debut of the uh, new City Edition jerseys, which I'm a big fan of. A loss against the hottest team in basketball, the Phoenix Suns, 118 to 97. And then a win against uh, the Hawks last night, 99 to 90. Before we get into like breaking down the these games real quick, before we jump into some other topics, do you guys think the Hawks are like the public enemy number one for, for Nick for the Knicks, right? Sure, yeah, definitely. We talked at the beginning of the season about building a new rivalry and, and simmering nicely, hopefully, for another playoff series. So that'd be really, really good if we got maybe a consecutive years with, you know, a playoff series against each other. We could pull out this one, then goes into following years, just a real back, you know, back and forth. Yeah. Like my, my old school mind always wants to just jump to like Miami or Boston <laughs> even from even further back. Uh, but like, I feel like right now it's definitely Atlanta, especially with the fact how like, mad their announcing team gets whenever they play the mm-hmm. Knicks. I don't know if you guys have seen that on Twitter. And then, like, they were doing their game before they played us, and they said they had this thing pop up on the screen, three days until the Hawks play New York. And I'm just like, so they're invested too. So it's not just us, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was a, that was kind of a cool little thing where it's validating our rivalry. And then you have that video that was circulating again on Twitter, which was that, uh, I don't know if you guys seen this, this, that spider cuz video where they're just saying, fuck Trey young all over the place. But the, the guy in the Spider-Man costume with his like Hennessy bottle in his hand. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but the, the, this season, this season I've, I've been kind of making a, a point of listening to the other team's announcers as well, which, yeah. yeah. As much as I love Green and Clyde, you know, I like taking the opportunity sometimes of listening to their announcers because mm-hmm. the perspective of the game is just so different, as you'd imagine. You know, it's it's quite interesting. Listening to press conferences after as well, same kind of thing. You know, if you've if the Knicks win, you know, it's down to them missing shots, or you know, if if we lose, you know, it's down to their their great defending. You know, it's 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 just I mean, it's like that in any sport, but um, I've just found it quite interesting taking it, looking at a different perspective of it. When I was watching the first Chicago game, it was on NBA TV over here, and they had the Chicago broadcast with uh, Stacey King, who used to play for the Bulls and uh, during mm-hmm. Jordan's era. And he was like super complimentary 
of, of the Knicks players, which I like doing that too, Alex, every now and then. Like we played the Pacers one time. I listened to the Pacers announcers and they are very complimentary of a lot of our players. Like they're like, oh, one of them, I think said like, oh, RJ, ascending superstar, RJ Barrett. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, watch out now, you know. Uh, but, but then again, it does also make you appreciate uh, being Clyde even yeah, more. Than yeah, appreciate it. what you have. Because you're yeah. like, it's nice having that different perspective, but the, the quality of, like Atlanta's is pretty bad. Like yeah. they have Vince Carter and Dominique on there mm. and two great players, you know, no disrespect in that aspect. They're just not, I don't think super cut out for broadcasting personally. Did, but. did you guys saw the, the, um, after that OB dunk, they, uh, so it was an amazing dunk. So they filmed Dominic and Vince Carter. They were, his, their faces were dead. I mean, <laughs> they're doing commentary. Like they were just looking at that. Okay. Why am I here? Just no energy <laughs> at all, man. I mean, even if you see a dunk like that, you, you and you you talking about Clyde, man. And you uh, there's a, a huge dunk. Clyde goes, ooh, he comments on that dunk and those and uh, appreciates the, the good basketball. Man. Like I think it's important that they do that. That happened yesterday with Breen and Wally. I can't remember what player was for the Knicks, so they were going up for a dunk, and they just got blocked by Capella. And Breen called it as if Capella was a Nick. He's like, oh, blocked by Capella, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, and yeah. you don't see that with other teams, you know, yeah. the, you know, because Breen's a professional and Clyde's a professional. So isn't that the, the thing that Mike Breen does uh, national uh, TV yeah. games as well? Mm -hmm. So that's his, uh, well, he's not element. Yeah. He has to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He has to do that in, his... uh, when he's uh, commenting the rest of the games. Yeah. He's, he's got his reputation to kind of, kind of, for the national games, keep that up. So. I, th I think, sorry, just a quick aside that yeah. uh, with with Clyde, I think some people have a bit of an impression of Clyde as a bit of a, you know, all the Clydeisms a bit kind of cheesy and corny and things like that. Right. But see, see Clyde's analysis is absolutely spot on. So much, it's so interesting. Some of the some of the stuff he gets into. I mean, he does talk about his favorite cereal and things like that, but as well but that's all that's all part of his uh his thing you know and, and yeah. all the clothes and stuff he wears he can come across as a bit of a joke you know but to some to, to some others not to me but his actual analysis is really interesting sometimes he gets he gets into stuff that you you, you just didn't know and some of his mm -hmm. stories from the past and you know specific plays where what he, the player should have done at that that stage you know i, I love i love listening to him he's he's brilliant you know yeah, it's very insightful, you know, especially when it comes to like things with point guards, obviously, you know, he's mm -hmm. going to be able to bring a lot to the table there. And he does, you know, quite frankly. Let's talk real quick about these games. Uh, I mean, is there anything that stuck out to you guys from any three of these games that that, you know, bears repeating? I think my prediction last week was uh, I thought we could beat the Lakers, especially mm -hmm. with LeBron out. Yeah. Um, I'd, completely, I'd completely written off the Suns game. The Suns are just, yeah. yeah just superb from, from all through the roster. And we talk about having a deep bench as well. They've got some great, great talent off the bench as well. Just super solid team. And Booker's just so fun to watch. You know, and actually I was going to mention that Booker looked like he had every single shot was wide open. There was a lot of, you could hear the crowd kind of, uh, kind of about the defending and things like that. But he's so clever the way he moves around screens and, gets himself open he's so hard to guard you know it, it, sometimes it just looks like bad defending but i think i think sometimes you've got to give the credit to the 
credit to the offensive players. So the the Lakers game was a bit strange, but it was a bit up and down. First quarter was 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 pretty good, and then it kind of it kept dipping and then coming back up again. But game of the week was definitely obviously the Hawks game. It was just fantastic from start to finish. And I think Breen mentioned it a few times. It was just such a fun game to watch. You know, just the style of play. The there was loads of young players playing and. Yeah, and obviously the rivalry coming into it as well. So, yeah, that was that was game of the week. I, I, I thought we might drop that one just because they had been on a really good run. We were playing a bit poorly. So it's a back to back for both teams. But I think you know just because it was we were on the road, I just I just saw us dropping that one. So, um, that was a that was a superb one. Probably one of my favourite wins of the season. Maybe the Boston game, but that one was that one was great. If you look at the three teams we played, they're all playoff teams and they all have somewhat, you know, at least finals aspirations, because I don't think the, the Hawks are in the same level as, a, a, as the Suns or the, or the Lakers. So they're supposed to be. But other than the, the, the game against the Suns, we were competitive with both teams. So we were right there. The games against the Lakers, we had our, uh, our big run at the, at the, in the first quarter. Many people said it, it was obvious the Lakers would try to make a run. They're doing this, this uh, every single game almost. They against Detroit, they were down 18 and they came up, come back to win it. So uh, they had they were going to make a comeback against the Knicks, and uh, their, their, their defensive intensity uh, improved a lot from the first quarter and middle of the second quarter as well. But I like that we um, well they never they never got the lead. They tied twice. But we were always able to respond. I think that's a big step uh, for us. And what proved what this proves to me, these three games, is that we we play better against the better teams. We still don't know how to win those uh, quote unquote easy games against uh, the, the the teams that supposedly the Magic, the the, the Raptors. I mean, not the Raptors, the the the, the Rockets. Sorry. We we have to win those games easily, and we're not. We, we did it once against the, the Magic, and we struggled ever in every single game. The best games we had, a uh, great game against the Celtics, like Alex mentioned. The Philly game was a good game as well. Embiid was out, but we uh, had a good game as well against the Lakers. Against the Hawks was the best game. We need to figure that thing out. We don't, we're not the underdog team anymore. At least we we can't be that underdog team. We have to improve the, those easy games. Yeah, I mean, for me, about the Lakers game, it's it was encouraging that when – because we had a big lead, and they, they lost the lead at one point. It was tied in the third quarter. And in previous games, then, you know, the wheels started falling off. But in this game, they are continuing to make plays, continuing to take the good shots, and so on and so forth. Uh, the Suns game, like you were saying, Alex, I was just a wash to me. I, the Suns are very good. I mean, they're in the finals last year for a reason. Devin Booker is just on a whole different level. I had very little confidence that we would win that game. And it looked like we were going to hang in there for like the first quarter and a half. And then they just making shots at a very incredibly high clip, playing excellent defense. And uh, the Hawks game, I was just pleasantly surprised at. You know, the defense showed up there, giving up a couple long Trey Young threes, but you live with that. You know, he's going to hit those shots the same way Steph Curry and Dame Lillard hit those shots. 
overall, to me, it was an encouraging week. Get two wins out of the three against, like you said, Rafa, three teams are in the playoffs last year. And one and team that made so, the finals. You know? Yeah, so. exactly. Again, on that Hawks thing, just a couple of things was the Hawks are at full strength as well. And we had hmm. all sorts of players out. Uh, just also the fourth quarter was quite funny. It was, I don't know if you noticed uh, during the course of the game, but it was 16-14 ended up to Atlanta in the fourth quarter. So just two teams yeah. that absolutely gassed, you know, after back-to-backs. And it was just... Uh, like, let's yeah. just get through this game and <laughs> get a couple <laughs> days off here, right? But, too young not scoring a point until garbage time, you know? No, oh, yeah, that, that layup at the end. Yeah, they, like the like the Knicks defense was really good in the fourth quarter, but also their offense was putrid. You know, it was just not <laughs> shots were not falling, but you know it was enough to win. So you know that's that's what matters. Get the W in the win column. But let's um switch to our first topic of uh, this episode, which is this growing notion that RJ Barrett should be benched. The reason I kind of want to talk about this, as you guys know, we we kind of a lot of take turns on our Twitter account, so. During what game was this? Uh, this was uh, during the Suns game, if Suns. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So I was on the Twitter that game, and you know, I saw one of our followers um, had t- or somebody had tweeted about benching RJ. I'm like, all right, well, who are you benching him for? I'm assuming he's going to say Alec Burks or something like that, which makes sense. Alec Burks has been playing really well. Like we'll 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 mention a little talk about it a little bit here, but he was basically saying bench RJ and Fournier to start Burks and Grimes. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not engaging in this. This is foolishness. And Rafa on his personal Twitter account thought otherwise and was going back and forth. So please, Rafa, enlighten us on, on that conversation that you had. And I went there. I saw the tweet. I banged my head against the wall. No, no, sorry, no. Only a couple <laughs> I saw times. I said, no, come on, no. You can't be serious about uh, benching RJ or Fournier for Quentin Grimes. Grimes played two games and with good minutes other than uh, the, the last second of uh, the, a quarter, like McBride. So it's, it's unreasonable to say Grimes should start. You're jumping, taking a guy off the bench who's not even playing to start him. It's like, what? How can that happen? It, it can't. It won't, wouldn't help anybody. Because the thing is, if you're taking Grimes, if you're putting Grimes in a starting lineup with Burks, Someone of the second unit needs to be dropped as well. Who is it? Rose? Quickly? I mean, because if you add two, add one who's not playing, you need to drop another one who's playing. So it makes no sense that a whole thing here, it's, uh, it's just go, goes into that uh, typical mix, uh, hate, trade Randall, uh, trade RJ. Uh, I mean, I saw a tweet uh, th- that same game. Ah, we should have traded uh, RJ Barrett for a veteran player. What? Why? For what? For who? I mean, what would that help? It's typical Knicks go nuclear, right? Like, that's yeah, like the thing. We just want to trade the whole team. I mean, yeah, I mean, I understand the thing that the, the, the thing is the starting lineup needs a change. I, I get it. They're not playing as we uh, hoped they would. I've seen improvements. Kemba's been playing better, scoring the ball as well. Uh, Randall had a few, a few good games, scoring, scoring the, the ball. Forney as well. RJ Barrett's been struggling. Yeah, but he had the best stretch of his career before this struggling uh, thing. So it's been inconsistent. And 
I okay, RJ should be playing with the second unit, maybe getting a little more minutes with the second unit. Yeah, I would like to see that, but you don't need to to bench him. He he does so much more than uh, than score. He lacks that he's struggling offensively, but he's still playing playing good defense, rebounding the ball. He had a game with what 15, 16 rebounds. Mm-hmm. That's something. So I got a little uh, apparently passive aggressive, and <laughs> the guy called me an idiot and called me Holtzman as well. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Red Holtzman. That's, that's where you are. So okay, so not too not too bad. At least it's not it's not David Fisdale. <laughs> uh, I we'll almost, I, I, to be to be honest, I almost almost called him Berman, but I said no, Ooh. leave leave him leave him out of this. Leave Mark alone for now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just going back to that, I mean, this whole throwing players into the starting lineup and giving them big minutes before they before they're even ready, it, it's just well, for one, it's not the tips way, and for two, it's just a sensible approach. I mean, we've talked before about. Just because guys are playing great against second units doesn't mean they're going to play great in f- against first units and starters. And guys that have played great in summer league it doesn't mean it transpires to the NBA. Do you know, it, it, you've just got to be smarter than that. I mean, it's it's you know we're a playoff team now. We can't just kind of chop and change and throw players in and hope for the best. It's it just doesn't work like that. I mean, like Obi last season, for instance. You know, if you'd thrown Obi in heavy minutes straight away. He might have gone in the way of Kevin Knox. Do you know, like, Obi looked really lost when he started last season. And, yeah, he was quite a high pick as well. But look at him now. You know, a year's year under his belt, a solid, you know, off-season. He's making solid improvement. He's on he's on a kind of upward curve. He's playing a, he's playing a role as well and keeping things simple. You know, he, know, he, knows, he knows what he has to do. Uh, you throw him in too early. And suddenly he's the one that's getting looked at to make things happen, you know, to drive the whole game. And that's just going to throw him off, you know, send him backwards, you know. And there's, there's loads of time for these guys, you know. He's, he's nowhere near the end of his rookie deal. So, you know, why why just throw him in there? Do you know, it's just, it could just kill his confidence. Yeah, if these guys are playing well, by all means, up their minutes. But, you know, changing the starters just doesn't make any sense. RJ's your... Your your what hopes to be your, your next franchise player? Do you know that's the goal for him? So yeah, if he has a few bad games, you know, cut his minutes, change all the all the different rotations, uh, moving him into you know playing with the second unit, fine. But don't kill his confidence and shove him at the end of the bench. Do you know it's it's just it just doesn't make sense to me at all. Obviously, there are no hard feelings towards the the, the guy on Twitter. Just. Uh... After a tough loss, people talking about the Knicks, so it's it's all good, friend of the pot. <laughs> and the thing is, uh, you see in many different teams because you look at these Knicks, it's, it's Randall and R.J. Barrett with the most minutes, so there are two. Let's call them best players. People can disagree what they want, but okay, let's call them based on minutes. Let's go with it. And you usually, what you usually see. There's a guy, and when there's a, a, a one-two punch, let's say, one rests, the other's on the floor, even if with the second unit, they're transitioning a bit, so that the team is never with, without one of them. These lineups, the, the, the way that it feels almost like we had two different teams, because we don't mix and match. Mm-hmm. 
I think it was the first time I saw Evan Fournier playing with Emmanuel quickly and Alec Burks because he, he always plays with Kemba. Mm. We talked about this on the pod, making, mixing and matching a bit, see if, if they get the, the, the rhythm going. And RJ can play with other players and with Emmanuel quickly like he did last night and Burks and with Obi. I, he was having a t the time of his life last night playing with a, a faster paced team because we had two different teams. We have a, a slow paced team with Randall's uh, leading the offense. Randall can't play with <laughs> quickly for 12 minutes. He would be, he would die on the floor <laughs> from, from tiredness, but RJ can do both. And so, okay. Get RJ the first minute, maybe get instead of him playing 12 minutes. Okay. Make him play eight, make get, getting him out getting 40 a.m. there when you and when the other starters go go out rj comes back in with the, the second unit as well or randall for if uh, rj is playing better i mean you can mix and match like that and i get that people want those uh something to happen in, to the rotations not the starting lineup uh, at least i think so well i mean i think somebody said on twitter as well that the starting lineup last night had, had not had one minute together as a as a five, which I thought was quite interesting. But yeah, I think you're totally right in, in that. Yeah, there's there, there wasn't enough mixing and matching. I think that's the issue. That, that there's a first unit and a second unit, and it just seems to be, you know, they can only play with each other. Do you know? And last night was it was different. You saw RJ running with the second unit and stuff at times, and he looked a different player again because that is his game. You know, from college and everything, and transition game starting unit is is set up for a half court basketball a lot and you know it doesn't really suit RJ's strengths but so it was it was great to see him almost kind of unleashed a little bit with Obi and quickly and just running the floor it was it was it was, it was beautiful to see it looked like his team mm -hmm. I mean okay that's RJ Barrett's team the other guys are playing with him well, it was, it was maybe a little look into the future, you know, where it's, it's mm -hmm. IQ, Obi and RJ running the team, you know. And oh, thank God. Oh, that'd be beautiful. The future we all want, guys, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, um, I want to double back on what point you made, Alex, earlier, which is RJ is supposed to be your superstar. He's supposed to, well, not superstar, he's supposed to be your future and your building block and the player that you focus on, you know, much how in that same draft class, the Cavs who drafted Darius Garland. No one in Cleveland is talking about benching Darius Garland if he has a bad game or a bad couple games. You know, that, so that's that's the thing. And we need to just get off of this whole, well, we got to trade RJ or we got to do this with RJ. RJ is a type of player who can handle New York, type of player who you want to build your team around. And it's like you mentioned, Rafa, he, he, even if he's not scoring the ball, he will have good rebounding games. He'll have good defensive stretches. You know, he'll have moments where he's setting up players and all that. And he needs to, you know, be more integrated with that second unit, you know, working more with quickly, working a little bit more with Obi as well, as opposed to in that starting group only where there's a lot of mouths to feed, quite frankly. You know, Julius has to get his initiate the offense, but yeah, you got to get Fournier some touches and you got to get Kemba some touches as well. And a lot of times he's kind of left, you know, man on the island waiting for that corner three to happen, you know. And I think that being, if you really want him to work on his playmaking and his shot creation skills, having him run 
five, 10 minutes or so a game with that second unit makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you counteract that by having Burks run with the starters a little bit because, you know, he could get in where he fits in there as well. But it's quite ridiculous to me that anybody's even suggesting, you know, benching him or trading him for a vet. And it's like, it's like, you're, it's a, that same old Knicks mentality, right? Oh, how are we going to get this player, that player? Like what vet are you going to trade him for? And also if that vet isn't a superstar, then what's the point? You just wasted, you know, a 21 year old prospect that could have been a major trade piece for a superstar. If you want to even go along that line of thinking. So I just think it's just reactionary. Like you guys are saying, you know, had a tough loss against a great team, and, you know, you want to blow everything up all of a sudden because we're Knicks fans and that's what we do. So, yeah, you could almost understand it as a, as a reactionary to a, a tough loss, <laughs> you know, a reactionary to a, one of the best wins of the season. Do you know, yeah. like, uh, let's, ju- let's just all sleep well tonight and, and, <laughs> and enjoy it, you know. Absolutely. So mentioned Alec Burks briefly there. Let's, let's talk about him a little bit more. Got to start last night against Atlanta. And played very well, as he has been playing very well for the past couple of weeks. And guys, remind me, who mentioned about him playing more in, like, the earlier quarters? Yeah. I said um, something about it because uh, I saw someone uh, – oh, it was on uh, – after the game on TNT, uh, it was uh, Ken, Kenny Jet Smith who said, about, why doesn't he play more instead of just the fourth quarter? Yeah. Yeah, and – he's just been playing at such a high level with, with the shooting. I and mean, he's been shooting over 40% from three seemingly all year. He's been, you know, and when he has been asked for defensive assignments, he's been doing really well. So, and last night he actually had the most minutes of any Nick. I think he had like 38 minutes played last night, followed by Julius and RJ, which are in the, who were both in the low thirties. But I guess, where do you guys see him in this rotation moving forward? Do you think that he should be given a bunch of more minutes? Should he be inserted into the starting lineup like he was against Atlanta? Or do you think it's just okay where it's at right now? I don't think he should just be suddenly starting every game. I mean, I mean in obviously we've got injuries at the moment. I don't, I don't think they're going to clear up anytime soon. So, I mean, I think he might get a good few games as a star, just uh, continuing kind of the same as last night, but I've never really seen him as a kind of starter player. I think he's, and I think, you know, IQ might continue like that throughout his career almost. Uh, well, I mean, you obviously hope he's going to eventually be a starter, but he's got that, Burks has just got that reliable kind of punch off the bench, you know, and the, the whole thing about the fourth quarter, I mean, he was still he was still playing, we talked this last week, he's still playing over 20 minutes a game. I don't think we should complain about somebody that, you know, comes alive in the fourth quarter. That's exactly when you want players to come alive, you know, and if it means kind of holding back the minutes a little bit just so they've got that energy in the fourth quarter, then I don't know if we really want to mess with that too much. But, I mean, you can't really argue with his performance last night, but, you know, if you play him 38 minutes every game, then, you know, it might break him down a little bit. But, I mean, that's, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not a young guy anymore, so... I, th- I think certainly in the case of emergencies like we are at the moment, then then by all means use them and abuse them. But I think you know just that real sixth man, seventh man off the bench is 
I think where he's where his rules perfect. Yeah, I I agree. Right now, um, with Rose out, I think he he will be the the first guy coming off the bench. Kemba will still start because Kemba was resting uh, this game. Kemba will start, and uh, Burks will be that first guy off the bench, be put in play in uh, the point guard position. I mean, I'm liking Burks a lot. He started out a little bit um, shaky, and he was the, the the one people were pointing at because oh, we have Burks, so Grimes won't play. But he has showed himself that he has been uh, been playing really good. I think he's the he's been the the, the best unit in the in the second unit, uh, so so to say, more consistent one. Uh, at least coming off the, the, the coming off the bench, and that's that's been huge for us. How foolish those people who wanted to bench him look right now. I'm just going to say that because you know we yeah. uh, we talked about that weeks ago, and you know my my thinking at the time was why the fuck are you benching this guy? You know, like okay, he has a couple bad games, but you know what Alec Burks Alec Burks is, you know what he offers you, and you know what he can bring to the table, and he's been showing that the past couple weeks. Uh, I agree with you guys. I, where he's at now is fine. You know, as a spark plug in the fourth, why wouldn't you want that? Like you said, Alex, you want somebody who can hit those shots, you know, especially if if Julius continues to struggle shooting because, you know, defenses are kind of dialing in, unlocking him down and shutting him out and he's missing shots. You need somebody like Alec Burks or Emmanuel Quickly, for that matter, who's going to hit those shots and who's going to be able to create and get to the basket like he is. And that's another thing where he's good spelling Kemba because Kemba seems to be seems to be struggling a little bit with that lately in terms of just getting to the rim and getting, staying aggressive and attacking the basket. Obviously, we hope that he continues to play this well, right? I don't think it, it, you need to shake up the starting lineup for just to accommodate Alec Bergson. Like you guys said, he's, he's not like he's 22. I mean, he's, he's like 30, 31 right now. So he's, he's an older player. So... You know, getting him his 20 minutes a game is where he needs to be. But that uh, you're thinking about how Kemba's struggling getting uh, to the rim and mm-hmm. getting the, 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 the ball more. The way we played last night, we played in a total different way than uh, uh, we did with Kemba on the floor. Right. I, I, we, we were talking on the group chat and I said, what we did last night, we could do that with Kemba. Because there were many plays that Burks was just playing off ball, and the ball didn't went or to Ke- or to Burks or to Randall, because Randall was a, a was ju- he was just there, just being a, a double team alert for the other team mm-hmm. because every other team now doubles uh, Julius Randall. It's basically it's the pay that he receives for torching every team in the league in at least one game. So everybody's uh, okay. We had to guard Julius Randle. But we saw last night we saw Fournier getting the ball more. I remember that penetration that is like five seconds uh, or six seconds in a shot clock, and he's at half court. And I'm saying, I'm thinking, what is Fournier doing? And so he just uh, gets the screen. I think, I don't know if it was who, if it was Mitch, if it was Sims. I don't remember who put the screen. He just penetrates, goes to the rim, two points. I mean, he got the ball, he got to do that. RJ got to do that as well. So why can't we do that with Kemba on the floor? Why can't uh, I tweeted this uh, last night uh, t- twice? Every uh, RJ got the ball uh, at half court. He was uh, just uh, he was him moving up, and we you you heard Tibbs go get him, go get him. I mean you don't hear that if you, you don't want RJ to have the ball. 
he would say, get get it to Burks. Burks is the, the, the point guard. Burks is doing it. We saw different players coming with the ball up the court. I don't think I, I saw once or tw Julius Randle doing that. So we had multiple options. So if we, if we can do that without Rose and without Kemba, why can't we do it with him as well? Because Kemba is a good shooter. So if we get Kemba open to shoot a three, maybe he's it's his role now. Maybe we need to to learn that as well. I think, think, think you're totally right. I think underrated part of um, the game last night was how, how well Tibbs coached it as well. Uh, I, think Tibbs, I think Tibbs threw them off quite a bit. Tibbs was throwing things in there that probably the Hawks hadn't planned for. Burks and IQ as well, which on the, on the floor together worked really well. Um, late on, I, I thought, yeah, thought Tibbs played a played a blinder last night, and um, that was a big part of the win, I think. So, are you guys suggesting? Since it seems like you're both in agreement on this, are you guys suggesting that they should bench Kemba? No, no, not not for me. No, I mean, is as it's a talking point, again. you know. So, yeah, no, it's it it's it's that thing again about you know. Who starts doesn't mean you know right. who finishes. Who, you know, you can you can mix and match players throughout throughout the game. Uh, doesn't mean that you know that starting unit all comes out at once. That's you know it's like right, the five come on, five come off. I, th I think that's much more kind of what we're what we're getting at. I think Kemba's certainly in the starting lineup for for the time being. I don't think we should bench Kemba. I'm saying is we could. We can play differently. We can be gotcha. the players can be coached differently. Right. We don't need to go to that plan because you see so many times because we say, "Oh, let's we're playing ISO Randall." We get the ball to Randall with five seconds left on a shot clock. He need he needs to try and come up with something. We didn't have that last night because the, we played a different uh, style. I mean, just looks like this team was uh, was constructed and is prepared just to beat the Hawks. And it was the game I mean, they kind of are. The Hawks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand that the, we were uh, exposed last year, but uh, our flaws were, were showing last, last, last year in the playoffs against the Hawks. And we, obviously, our team uh, <clears throat> changed. And to your point, Alex, about, about how uh, Tibbs uh, out, it was a coaching game, uh, I love that uh, fourth quarter move. I think I don't know. I think it was six minutes or seven minutes left. Grimes was out there for defensive purposes, and he's in Tibbs went, "Hey, fuck it, get Fournier in," because Trey, uh, after being torched by Burks, was guarding Grimes, who was just sitting in the corner, and he can't do that with Fournier because Fournier moves and Fournier looks for the ball, and so Trey got it even more exposed and they and the, the hawks couldn't uh, defend as, as good as a, as a team as they they would like to i can't, I can't believe we've, we've talked this long without mentioning that will be dunk as well how, oh my God. What, how many views are you guys up to now uh 500 oh my god <laughs> it's so good and the, the, the pass from Grimes is all that's awesome as well. what it was killing me. No one's talking about the move from Grimes to get him the ball. Like where he just like puts the ball behind his back and flicks it up instantly. It was a gorgeous pass, you know. He was and, being guarded by Trey Young, so yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, you discount that a little bit, but um, she's, she's the 
Swiss cheese, dude. Yeah, there you go. All right, Clyde. Yeah, we haven't had Clyde in a couple of games, so Rafa bringing it for us there. <laughs> Much appreciated. You're welcome, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Let's uh let's shift gears, guys, and talk a little bit about Emmanuel quickly. Um, so he another guy had a great week. Yeah, he's been playing well. I mean, now he's got the got the got the little like wavy hair going with the headband. You know, it's it's a good look, you know, and he's been been balling out. His playmaking has just been incredible. Like I want to focus on a little bit first here is how much when he is playing, when he's like given the range and he's running the point and he's playing with Obi, he's just looking for Obi every single time. And I think that that's kind of part, they're kind of like saying, oh, what you did in summer league, go ahead and do this when you're, you know, in these situations. So what you guys have been making about him as a playmaker lately, more so than a scorer. And not not just summer league. Uh, they were in the gym all, all summer together. Right. Yeah. From, from reports as well, they just got such a great chemistry. We we criticize back in the pod where we had uh, Ariel. We we were kind of slightly criticizing IQ and just saying, you know, how much he was rushing plays and and, and you know, it just just looked like he had to slow the game down a little bit. Maybe slowing the game down is a bit the wrong way because you don't want to lose that side of him. But he just needs to make smarter decisions and just be a bit more composed in the moment. And I think it's coming. It's definitely coming. Um, the shooting's been absolutely tremendous. If you discount the first few games where his shooting stats were way down, uh, his shooting is absolutely ridiculous at the, recently, um, the last few games. And, you know, I think he is just playing more of a a composed point guard role these days. He's not, you know, he's really kind of seeing the whole court. He's not just getting the ball and just thinking, right, well, how can I get myself open? He's thinking about the whole game now. And he's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic to see. You know, it's not, and just, and it's so alien as a Knicks fan watching players being developed properly. <laughs> but, and then we've got Obi uh, developing, we've got IQ, we've got, we've still got to see what they can do with Grimes and McBride and, Five players drafted by the Knicks on the floor at the same time yesterday. That's right. Yeah. That's, I was say when that. is the last yeah. time that happened? It's got to be Never. one out of five breaks the Charlie Ward course. course. Oh, we know no. who's breaking the Charlie Ward course, guys. Obviously, <laughs> it's Kevin Knox. But <laughs> uh, did you see? Did I you see Kevin Frank. Knox getting up in the fourth quarter? Yeah, like uh, uh, when yeah. Grimes was coming out. Tips pointed at the bench, and yeah. uh, Kevin Knox for some reason thought it was oh I'm I'm in. And he's like, oh, they gave me a run against and Phoenix. Maybe I'll get run here. And Tips was like, buddy. what the f- hell are you doing? Sit down, <laughs> poor guy. Down, I, I, I felt yeah. yeah. He had that nice um, move though uh, towards the end. That was a that was an that was that, that was summer league. You know, that was. You can league. always do that in games. The problem yeah. is, we talked about Knox. It's not offensively. It's effort defensively but speaking to uh, other young good players um emmanuel quickly that's the main reason basically i don't want anything to change in the starting lineup or mm-hmm. uh, i mean quickly is getting into the, uh, his place getting better and being in, in that unit with uh, burks and rose i think especially rose helps him a lot getting always talking to him, getting him. Uh, I, I saw a couple of games, like uh, there was a fast break, quickly did, didn't pass the ball to where Rose thought he should. 
and the ball went out of bounds. There was still Nick Ball, and there was Rose pointing at the guy that was open. He was open. So that's important for him. He's learning. Let's not uh, rush things. We talked about not rushing young players into tough positions. Quickly is getting comfortable with it. Let's not rush it. And until he, I mean, maybe just maintain him there the rest of the season. Only, I mean, if we get 300 injuries, they make him start a game again. But just leave him there, getting better at, at it, getting more consistent at it. And um, by the way, I remember a few weeks ago, I said I didn't, uh, I wanted to see more um, OB and the quickly connection. Uh, yeah, he obviously, they obviously heard the pod. And they did, friends doing, of the pod, yeah, and then you quickly and OB. Exactly. Talking, yes. Exactly. So, and they're doing it in a, this, I mean, OB, even I, if I was playing with OB Toppin, I knew I got the ball. Okay, just flip it up front. He's there. OB's always running. Right. Always. It's, it's, and it seems like IQ is the only guy who understands that. You know what I mean? Like, Obi's always yeah. running, and IQ's the only one who seems to get it and just slings the ball, you know, uh, out to him when he's out in transition. Yeah, and did so... Yeah. Sorry, did you see that play against the Hawks where he was guarding Trey Young? Uh, hmm. Did a good job of guarding Trey Young, and then yeah. the, he missed the basket, and about it felt like about a second later, yeah. Obi was un- under the basket just for a, for a layup. Like, just like lightning up the court. It's amazing how fast he is for such a I was like, for such a guy that looks so kind of I don't want to use the word I don't know what the right word is cumbersome you know he looks like that kind of big hulk <laughs> kind of body yeah. shape but he can move like something else you know he's like a sprinter the way he gets up and down the court. How scared are you? Were you guys when he when he fell down? Oh, yeah. I thought he'd be. I thought he was out of the game. Like for I thought sure. his arm was broken. At yeah, first. yeah. Thankfully, it was it was fine, and you know. Of course, there's John Collins involved in some 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 injury situation yet again. I can't yeah, stand that yeah. guy. Um, yeah. But was it not the in the playoffs? The Hawks said that you know it was the next players that were playing dirty and mm-hmm. playing all. The... Yeah. Yeah, I just I just can't stand John Collins. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, he's, I'm just not a fan. Um, one of those faces. Let's um <laughs> right. He does. He does have one of those faces. Just, oh, yeah. Let's uh let's uh, switch over to another point guard, guys. Um, the Knicks second round draft pick from uh, this past year. I hope I'm not pronouncing his name wrong. Uh, Rokas Djokovides, uh, who plays for Barcelona in Europe and the Euro League, has been tearing it up. So he's been playing really good. And it's funny, like we were talking about this before the pod. It's like when you look at his stats, you're like, oh, the guy's averaging six points a game. How are you playing that good? You know, and then you realize in, in the Euro League, they only play like 12 minutes per game. So um, limited action. But he's been playing really well. Do you guys think, uh, not this year, obviously, but like maybe by next year or the middle of next year, there's a possibility of him uh, coming and joining the team to play for them full time? Well, you've got, I mean, you've got Kemba. Kemba's only in a one year deal, isn't he? I mean, the don't know how that situation is going to play out, but Rose is obviously not is young anymore but certainly if he came in you would expect him to be like a third or fourth option you know at least I don't think he'd really get many minutes and that that's why he ended up going back to Europe in the first place was you know he's just not going to get minutes in this team it's such a deep roster and you know the high expectations we don't have time to kind of 
bed a guy in like that, I don't think, uh, to get big minutes. So, uh, yeah, I can't really see it, to be honest. But, I mean, that's that's why you why you do kind of stash these guys in away from the league was that you hope that one of them's going to just hit one time and I could see him see him as a role player for sure but not really playing much given the quality of the roster now I think in maybe maybe two three years he gets into into this team I would like if I if it was me uh, Holtzman here <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry you would I would probably let him because He's not that um, not the star player, but not of the, the the big guns in Barcelona. He's getting there, uh, playing with Mirotic, which is uh, I kind of like that. So he's getting that uh, maybe a, an experienced NBA player to get him to help him out when he transitions. So it's kind of good. But also let him get be the guy with most uh, more minutes in Barcelona, get dominating the the, the game before make, bringing him into the NBA. I mean, you you have time. You have Rose t- two or three years, Kemba two years as well. So yeah, you have time to bring him in when he's ready, not because you're desperate for good players. Right. I'm kind of like fantasizing about this idea in like in three years, say, when you have Emmanuel quickly as your starting point guard, dropping twenty and ten, you know, <laughs> and uh, and you have the Rokas coming off the bench for some quality minutes and shot making. As, and that's your point guard rotation. You know, it's I'm like envisioning that future, right? And I hope it's the it's a reality because you know Rokas has shown in Europe that he could hit shots, and he's shown that he has handles. He can make plays. Obviously, the defense I haven't really seen much of that from what he's been to show. I've seen from him in Europe, so I'm not sure how good of a defender he actually is. But uh, that is a concern potentially. For anybody that's going to be playing point guard for Tom Thibodeau, right? You know, you want to be some level of a defender. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it excites me about the future of the Knicks in terms of point guards because forever it seems like that's the position we've been cursed with, right? We never have when whenever we try to get the answer at point guard, it never happens. You know, we we thought it was Stefan Marbury, and that didn't really work out. You know, we we thought we had something in Jeremy Lin for like a half of a minute. And then that didn't work out. You know, it's just like over and over we bring guys in and, you know, it just doesn't work. Like even when they brought in Elf, like Elf was a pretty well-respected NBA point guard, right? That's that's a fair assumption to make. And it just like crumbled, you know, and now the first time we brought Rose, it just didn't really work out, you know? And so we've been constantly looking for that thing. And, you know, so hopefully the, the, this is starting to solidify now with the development of IQ and potentially the development of Rokas as well. But I kind of want to take a couple minutes while we're talking about him, about just like Rafa mentioned this before uh, a couple times about this, this bias or this perceived slight about European players uh, from people in the NBA, players in the NBA, fans of the NBA. I kind of want to touch on that a little bit. And, you know, we are an international-based podcast, so we kind of wanted to talk about that kind of subject. So, Rafa, I'll start off with you. I, I bring that up because um, I always kind of saw it. I don't know if it's just me, but I always kind of saw it here and there, not really explicit, but I always uh, – uh, I remember uh, the, the thing with uh, – Doncic and Trey Young 
never have you guys seen or anyone anyone seen such a uh, uh, i mean he was like trey young was running for president and everybody was uh oh trey young should do it trey young should do it trey young should win trey young should win no i mean Doncic was consistent he won it i mean it was such a, a campaign for a trey young lebron james uh, i mean you never see other players talking that much about uh, something like that it's I think it's kind of a, a, a rivalry because, uh, well, the NBA is the best league in the world. But you have seen several uh, uh, international teams, uh, especially in the, the World Cups and the Olympic Games, getting somewhat closer to the, the American team. And they still want to be the best. They are the best, but they want to be th that gap to, to stay the same. But there, there are so many European players coming into the NBA and dominating the NBA. We talked about uh, a couple of them. I mean, right now you have Doncic, you have Jokic, you have Giannis as well. So they're the three players that are running for MVPs. They're Europeans. So they they try to do it uh, not as explicit right now, but over the years they, you have always saw something like uh, European players were soft or uh, I mean, I mean, now you, now you have Jokic. <laughs> they're not soft. Jokic is not <laughs> soft. Jokic will fuck you up, man. <laughs> or, his, or his brothers. Um, I mean, a few years ago when uh, LeBron was in um, in Cleveland, you remember the, the coach they brought from uh, Tel Aviv? Um, Blatt. Uh, Blatt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was all Blatt's fault because he doesn't know how to coach. He doesn't know how to do it. I mean, it's a different style. It, you said it, Omar, when you're talking about uh, Rokas. It's a different style in, uh, in in Europe. You you have a rotation. You have different rotations, different style of play. Even the, the court is smaller. So, yeah. So, it's different. doesn't mean it's worse. Uh, obviously, in uh, Europe, they play more to... In, I mean, it's more tactical, more technical some, in some ways. And the NBA is, is a it's a show. More individual. It's right yeah. Yeah, it's the show, the dunks, and that's why you, if you're going out for a dunk, you do travel, but you're you're not. It's not called, but in Europe, every they call it more uh, strict, it's more strictly, and in, in some not so much in the Euro League because they're trying to get that spectacle in, but it's a different different styles, and they always blame the, the, the Europeans for not knowing that style. Oh, he's still he needs to adapt to our our style yeah. to our better style. It's kind of a rivalry, and I don't think it's. Uh, I mean, it's not needed. That's why I, I say it's a bias. Well, I mean, as well, there's been plenty of high-profile European kind of busts over the years, and I think a lot of it comes from that as well. But there's been plenty that the plenty have been a huge success, as you said. I mean, the last three winners of the MVP. Have, I mean, two of them have been the same person, but all Europeans, you know, and, and likely, very likely, at least, if not this, if not uh, this year, but maybe next year, Doncic will get MVP as well, you know, so, uh, and just going back to that draft as well, I think it, it was so amazing because, I mean, pretty much everybody had said Doncic is the best player in this draft, hands down, and there was, I think, somebody in the Kings or the, or the Suns that was a coach or at least a GM that was I believe Slovenian. it's the Suns. The Suns. He was uh... Slovenian as well. I, I just couldn't get it at all. Didn't understand it. They, um, and obviously the Kings, as we, 
not exactly uh, breaking news, but the Kings are an absolute mess of a franchise, and you know they've ended up with Marvin Bagley. At least this, at least the Suns have got Aiton, and you know the Hawks have got Trey Young. You know, at least I can't actually think who was fourth in that draft, but Jaron Jackson, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so they there again. Um, just the Kings. Have been... What a great draft, by the way. You just yeah talk about yeah. those players, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the so, European players, the highest drafted player was Darko Milicic. Two, yeah. right? When, when not, he went not to a great, not a great showing. Yeah. yeah, not a great showing, but he had the potential, so he was a big bust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Rubio. Uh, people wanted to expected mm-hmm. him to be the, the the rock star for the Timberwolves, and he wasn't. He never was. I mean, they, they messed it up with next. that draft. They they drafted Rubio and another point guard that same draft. Like uh, in both in the lottery, Johnny Flynn went to Syracuse, who was just a good college player, but super undersized. He was like five eleven, you know, and that just doesn't play in the modern NBA. I have a five eleven point guard, unfortunately. You know, I just look at it from an aspect of I look at Giannis as like a prime example. Like Giannis to me seems to be like the most marketable player that the league has right now, because he has no scandals. He stayed with his hometown team, so you don't have to accuse him of chasing rings with a super team. He's dominant. You know, he might be one of the most dominant players in Shaq. And that's just how – that's just where, where you're at. But I feel like he doesn't get the full respect because he's not – you know, he didn't come up in the American system. And he has – you know, he speaks with an accent because he's Greek or whatever. And I just feel like if that was – if he was just Anthony Davis, right? Like if Anthony Davis was putting up Giannis numbers and did everything that Giannis did, you know, you might have be having a different conversation about Anthony Davis versus how you have it about Giannis. And I don't know how, how you solve that. You know, the you look over the history, like when Vladi Divox came to the States and played with the Lakers, they didn't like the way he played because he didn't really bang in the post. He was more of like a facilitating big man. And he was one of the best passing big men of that era. But people tried to change the way he played. It was the same thing with Dirk. They're like, well, why are you always shooting threes? You know, and... I just saw it's always been a weird thing and we don't really realize how much the European game has really shaped the modern NBA game. But some people also, like you mentioned, Rafa, look at that as a negative. Gasols as well. Yeah, the Gasols. Yeah, it's a great point. Exactly. And it's just like it, it brought the passing big man into mm-hmm. the fold. And, you know, it's it's not a it's, so I just never understood why there's like underlying animosity there. It makes you wonder, like, about, like, Luca, I think, is the best chance that we had. Luca and Jokic really are the best chance that we have to fully break that through, along with Giannis, uh, as far as just being more accepting of European players. And, and I, like, harken back to, like, football. Like, if you're watching a Premier League club and your, your club acquires a Spanish player or a French player or whatever, like, you don't look at that player any lower you know, it's just because, oh, yeah, it's a good player. He's on my team. Okay, great. You know? And then, mm. then, then that's it. You know, like P- PSG fans weren't like, oh, I like Messi, but, you know, he's Argentinian. I don't know, man. You know, it's just like no one does that. You know what I mean? But, but here it's just kind of like there's this underlying things like, oh, like where the little stereotypes like, oh, he's a European player. Ooh, well, can he play defense? Does that mean he's slow? You know, and, and so on and so forth when, you know, you look at, again, look at somebody like Giannis. That's the prime example. Giannis is 
not slow and is an excellent defender. So it bucks that whole stereotyping. Yeah, they, they jump on the fact that he can't shoot threes. You know, they're like, oh, he can't shoot, can't shoot. Oh, he's overrated. And you're just like, <laughs> we've talked many times about this, this maybe one or two players in the league that are good at everything. Um, and Jens is improving in that as well. But, but he's, he's, he's absolute elite at, at so many aspects of the game, you know, and he's improving his shooting and he's still only, what, mid-20s, 26 or something? Yeah, it's a, yeah and from speaking on this three-point shooting, like he's been around 30% for the past three years, which is obviously not great. But if you were to tell me like, oh, yeah, here's a seven-footer, well, 6'11", close enough, who can actually hit one, and give you a threat there like how is that a bad thing you know it's yeah. just i don't know it's i just don't don't really um like you go on basketball reference and like they they talk about his position and the honest is basically listed at every position but center like that's just yeah. how versatile he is you know and, yeah. and it's but just kind of crazy to be fair i don't know if it's a it's a european bias with that that because they used to hit lebron with that for years you know right. that you could right didn't have a jump shot and mm. yeah, yeah, that's you know, just over his career he's, he's become a good shooter you know a correction uh, the highest uh, european drafted was uh nick's great three uh, first round picks worth of uh andrea barney oh, of course <laughs> number one <laughs> overall right? sorry sorry yeah first <laughs> overall by toronto raptors i've wiped, yes. I've wiped him from my memory rafa yeah he was supposed but to this... just like change the league too remember they drafted him it was like oh this man He's going to shoot 40% from three and shot blocking and all this stuff. And he was supposed to be the, the big deal. And it just never really, you never, he had a good time, a good stretch in Toronto, but you know, he, he never fulfilled that number one overall pick status, you know, which. Yeah, but he started out well, but the, I mean, the Raptors sucked as well. I mean, other than Bosch, I think he still got Bosch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they sucked. So there was no one else. So let's um, transition into a recap of the charity bet and the game picks that we made uh, the other day. So Alex, toss that over to you. Uh, We had a a very near miss on the charity bet this week. Um, So we had the Warriors minus six against the Blazers, uh, which was, we got correct. Can't remember, it was just over 10 points, I think they won by... Bucks minus three and a half to beat the Nuggets, which came in as well. Yeah, it was a tough place to always to play in Denver, but uh, Denver have been really poor recently and all the drama with uh, Jokic getting suspended and he was actually out for that game as well. And then we had uh, the last one was the Celtics minus four and a half to beat the Spurs, whose Spurs have been, had a kind of poorish start to the season as well. And I know the Celtics have as well, but um, I would have taken that bet as well. I thought that that looked a nice bet. They so. were up by six in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. man. It is yeah, fall apart. Those yeah, Knicks, so. uh, Celtics, man. <laughs> I know. Can't trust them. I know. But uh, yeah, so very near miss, but. Uh, onwards to the next one, but the predictions solid week from from me and Rafa. <laughs> uh, sorry, Omar. The um, uh, so I got uh, eight correct out of ten, including my doubler, so I got nine points. Uh, I got that Celtics, so I picked the Celtics as well, and 
to beat the Spurs and also picked the Lakers to beat the Kings, which we all did. So that was a that was a shocker. I saw the Kings were triple getting... overtime, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw the Kings were going back to the previous form tonight. Um <laughs> and uh yeah, I picked the Bucks to beat the Nuggets. So uh, that was that was the only difference between myself and Rafa. But yeah, Omar, you also picked the Timberwolves to beat the Hornets and the Raptors to beat the Pacers, which I just thought the, the Pacers have picked up a lot recently. So I fancied the Pacers in that one. But yeah, they, they were the two you dropped, the, the, uh, the other two. So nine points for me this week, eight points for Rafa and six points for Omar. So catching up a wee bit with Rafa. Rafa's on still on 35, I'm on 33, and you're on 26, Omar, so. No problem, man. It's all good. It's all Long good. Season. Still early. <laughs> it's a marathon. Don't it's want to make marathon. big changes. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, like, between, like, this and, like, fantasy sports and stuff lately, I, like, I've been whiffing a lot, so, you know, it's, it's just a bad, uh, yeah. a bad time for me. What so, have you changed in your routine? Have you, have you changed something new? I don't know. Maybe I'm just not 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 paying attention with it. But you know, hopefully, hopefully I could uh, get out of it and, and figure it out. But good good job by both of you guys uh, picking most of those games correctly. Awesome. Let's uh, move forward to the next week for the Knicks. So really difficult slate here this week. So on Tuesday we visit the Brooklyn Nets Barclays Center. Uh, then two home games uh, Thursday against Chicago. And Saturday against Denver. Um, so, you know, what do you guys think? How uh, how's the team going to fare this week? I mean, we we said last week it was going to be really tough as well, so we came out that well. So, um, my first thought was one two, but that's what I said last week, and it came up two one. So maybe maybe I'll just try and re- reverse jinx it again and and uh, go for one two again. I, I'm I'm going to be really interested in that next game because the Nets have. Well, after after last night, so I think we just need to get on the melee and try and get the crowd crowd against them after Ooh. after they were boo- booing Harden. So imagine booing your superstar, man. I mean, it's Randall got hilarious. booed the other night, didn't he? Sorry, wasn't Randall getting booed a couple games ago? Was he? I didn't notice that. Um, I, I might be, I mean, might be imagining things, but yeah, it's like it, the video it's, of that it's is, you. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, I, I might've been booing him. I'm like, Oh, what are you doing? No, no, I love Julius Randle, but, um, yeah. but yeah, that was crazy when he was just, um, getting booed at his own. I mean, then again, knowing how the Nets that, are, that, that might've been just been the opposing fans, uh, in, in the stadium that night. So, yeah. So seven, seven turnovers for Harden. He, he did. I saw the net fans were jumping on Twitter saying, "Oh, he got a triple double, triple double." And <laughs> he almost had a quadruple yeah. double with uh, turnovers. So, exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he got uh, yeah twenty six percent shooting, zero from six from three. So I think he was well booed. I think he should do the decent thing and and you know get another one of his discounts going for the tickets for the next game. I think uh, try and get the fans back inside. Get his hardened discount uh, code back out. I saw a stat that um, the last 33 minutes of the game, uh, the, the next game against the Suns, Kevin Durant played them all. And mm-hmm. they still lost. And they lost. I mean, yeah, trading for Harden, trading everybody for Harden, maybe wasn't smart. You hear Knicks fans trading every player you have for an, a superstar does not work as well. 
So we've I mean, they, leave quick, they were leave built quick. for these three players to play, and one of those players isn't playing, and now you know, Who and they're playing. I, what's that? Yeah. Two aren't playing because Arden yeah. isn't playing as well. Yeah, but you you know, not having Kyrie is killing them right now. I think them losing Jeff Green in the offseason has hurt them more than people are willing to admit because he did a lot for them defensively. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Blake and Lamarcus Aldridge just don't really have it like that anymore, you know. So but Rafa, what uh, what are you thinking for this week? How's, how's the team gonna do? I'm getting uh, super positive. I think we're going three and zero. Wow! Simple as that, man. Like that. Right, right, right. We were because these games, the game against the Nets and against the Bulls, I think it's a bit of a it's it's pride as well. I, I, not in the same level as the game against the Hawks. But I think there's uh, some pride there to beat, especially to beat the Nets. There's not much of a rivalry, but there still is because it's the local team. So they need to, they want to win. The Bulls, they split the games in Chicago. So they, uh, and they were all close games. I think they will want to come back uh, again. And the Nuggets, man, the Nuggets aren't, haven't been playing good. Mm-hmm. They dropped yeah. the last Lost six, six games, in a row. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they haven't been playing great. Uh, so I think we can we can take them as well. Yeah. So <laughs> for me, I guess I'll go in between you guys. You know, uh, Alex went one and two. Rafa went three, and I'll go two and one. Brooklyn, as bad as Harden has played, KD has played incredibly well. So, but I think we have enough enough depth. I think Julius and RJ really get up to play the Nets. You know, they really want to show that you know they run New York type thing. Uh, not that they need to prove it. We know who runs this city, but you know, it's uh, uh, Chicago is a tough one that will probably, if I had to pick one of the three to be a loss, I'll probably be that one. Chicago's playing really well right now. DeRozan is played, uh, is played much better than I thought he would quite frankly. And I mean, you have some people just kind of indicating that, you know, he's a dark horse MVP candidate, you know, and I'm not going that far quite yet, but, and also, like, Alex Caruso on that team has really been the X factor to me. Um, and Denver, Denver's tough because last year, I remember when we played the Nuggets, we were getting smoked. And that was, I think that, I'm not sure, was that before or after the Jamal Murray injury? Um, I can't remember. It was before. Okay. Yeah, so. Before, before. But like you said, they're playing real bad. They are not looking good. Yeah. They're coming into the garden for an afternoon game on Saturday. I usually feel pretty good about those afternoon games. I feel like, you know, there's good energy in the building. So um, if I had to guess, I think we could get one against Brooklyn and get one against Denver, but Chicago might be tough. Hoping that Roth is right. Go three and zero. obviously we want the Knicks to win every single game. I'm glad we got to talk about the uh, Harden getting booed thing real quickly. It's a very exciting time. Let me ask you guys. Sorry, just quickly. Who do you think guards Harden and Durant? Do you think it's Randall and RJ? Randall and RJ, yeah, it's got to be. I mean, I cannot, like, Randall's definitely taking KD. I believe that's what he did last I mean, year. Or he was it Bullock who was guarding KD last year? No, I think, I think it was Randall. Randall. You think they put Mitch on him in, in stretches? Mitch? Yeah, no, it's like, so. yeah, Tips is crazy, man. You, you never know what's possible. I don't Not think mobile so. enough, no. But I don't yeah. know who's who's guarding Durant. I don't only if uh, Tibbs, uh, if Randall matches Durant's uh, minutes, because 
If not um, Randall guarding Durant, then who? Obi? Do you want? Do we really want Obi to to have that kind of assignment? I don't think Sims. <laughs> I mean, you could. He would just be six fouls that you could use on him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as Harden, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think you'll probably have RJ on Harden more than likely. You might throw a switch Fournier in there every now and then just to give RJ a breather. You know, mm -hmm. so he doesn't have to be on the ball every single play because you know Harden runs that entire offense basically. But but yeah, I, and, the, I, and I and IQ as well. IQ probably got on the topic well. of defense that uh, that Lakers game. Mm -hmm. uh, Randall did a pretty good job on Davis as well. He, they yeah, were, yeah, he, he did back and forth. It was a fun matchup, and he did a good job. So one last question about Harden before we wrap up here, guys. When he wanted out of Houston, did any part of you guys want him to be a Nick? Alex, like no, not really, <laughs> not really. No. Really. Um, I just, I just, I just really dislike watching him play. I, mm. I mean, obviously he's a really good player, but right. he's just not. He, he, you know, maybe a few years ago, but the the way the way the the roster is constructed now, it's just it'd just be a terrible fit, I think, and mm. it'd just be a waste of thirty, forty million dollars or whatever right. it is he gets paid. It's, no, it's it, it just it just wouldn't work. I don't think. I don't think he's a tips type player either. Um, not just play the, defense. So. Not not just that, not just the fitness, just just style of play. You know, it's yeah. I, I don't and see he, it. At all. He's kind of a minimal effort player too. You know, yeah. he he kind of has. He, he's not really intense. So that's one thing. Like, I think Tibbs actually likes about Julius is that how intense he can be at times. Yeah. Um, but anyway, okay. So that is uh, going to wrap us up for episode 12 of the Worldwide Knicks podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please consider subscribing. We are on virtually every podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. I always want to say Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, and so on and so forth. So uh, if you would like to interact with us on Twitter, where we talk about the team, live tweet during the games, and so on and so forth. You can follow us at Podcast. That will be linked in the description as well. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will catch you guys on the next one, and go Knicks!